Welcome to More Than a Sign, where we talk to some of Milwaukee's most productive realtors, up-and-coming realtors, and those that work alongside us. However, rather than being a platform for shameful self-promotion, these are intimate discussions about the journey, the struggle, the fear, and ultimately, the personal growth along the way. At the end of the day, nobody really cares about what we do. All that really matters is who we are. Today, we're going to learn who Amanda Schroeder is. But before we do, let me tell you a few things about what Amanda has done. So over the last year, in 2021, let's say, Amanda and her team of two others yes, sold 123 homes, which is absolutely amazing, and we'll get to that. No disrespect intended, Amanda. Who really cares about that? Let's talk about Amanda the person, the person that I've had innumerable lunches with over the years. We always eat well, right? So let's start at the beginning. I think that's always interesting. So did you grow up here? Yes. You did. And what were you like as a little girl? (laughs) I think I was born to be in front of people. My grandpa used to tell the story when I was three years old. There was a party of some sort the family was having, and I found a group of adults standing in a circle and went in the middle and said, so uh, is there anything I can tell you guys? What do you (laughs) want to know? (laughs) That sounds like you. Yeah. You were off to the races then. (laughs) So if I recall correctly, you went into business, quote unquote, at a very young age. I did. I grew up in a family of entrepreneurs, so it was kind of inevitable, but I was probably about seven or eight, Mm -hmm. and I was a very creative kid. I liked making things, so I made jewelry and other things out of beads, Mm. and I started a company I called Better Beads. Nice. (laughs) And I would have a booth at, like, different craft fairs, and I had a notebook with inventory and sales and expenses. (laughs) and repeat customers and things like that. So little did I know that was not a normal thing for an eight-year-old to be doing. (laughs) Eight-year-old, so that's like first or second grade. Yeah. Amazing. (laughs) So where did that lead you? What happened next after you sold the bead business for (laughs) millions of dollars? Exactly. Then I was probably about 11 when I started like babysitting and watching kids in the neighborhood. And I built that up to about 25 families that I was Mm. watching kids for or connecting with other friends of mine that babysat. Mm -hmm. We'd do like group babysitting when, you know, the parents would all go out together. So I ran that, I suppose, Mm -hmm. as a business for a number of years through high school. And I also, once I could get my work permit, was working at 14 So I started at Boston store Hmm. and then kind of worked my way around the mall for a while. Nice. Which mall? Mayfair. Mayfair. Okay. When I was a kid, I worked at at Bayshore Mall in a men's clothing store. So you clearly had this kind of unbelievable work ethic as a kid. What was high school like? Yeah. Uh, High school, I really liked to be doing everything. So I was in choir. I was in the art competition team. I was on the track team. I was involved in the newspaper. I was involved in the dance planning, all that stuff. And then also had my job at the mall at the same time. I was still babysitting. And then in the summers, I would help uh, like run camp programs. So like through the Y or through Girl Scouts, overnight camps. I loved all that stuff. So I tease you that you work too hard. Yes. (laughs) 
I didn't realize it started at eight. Oh so yeah, I got got to the party <laughs> late. Okay, so you graduate high school. What comes next? Graduated high school, went to Madison for college. That had been something my parents had sort of planted a seed about when I was young, and went not knowing what I was going to go to school for. But I'd worked with kids for so long that teacher was one of the things in my mind. I actually started out, though, in interior design. Hmm. I was in that program for about a semester and thought it wasn't a practical job to find out of college and switched majors to education thinking, of course, I'd get a teaching job right out of school, mm-hmm. <laughs> which was not the case. But that put me on the five-year plan, so I got a Spanish degree while I was in that program. And it was great. I loved it. And Madison was such a great environment. It was wasn't awesome. It? I was an RA. I was involved mm. with housing and like council services and all kinds of things. I was on student government for a year. That was eye opening. Hmm. I'm sure. Yeah. So your plate was your plate's been full forever. I like a full plate. <laughs> okay. So speaking of full plates, did you go right into food service or was there something in no. between? I Once I graduated, I came back to Milwaukee because while I was at school, I reconnected with my now husband, who had been a friend as a kid. And so Talk about that for a second. <laughs> when did you and John meet? So we met when I was about two or three. We went to the same church as kids, and our parents knew each other. And, you know, there were no cell phones or Facebook or anything mm-hmm. when we were in high school and college and kind of lost touch for mm. about, we call it the lost five. Sure. <laughs> and um, randomly bumped into each other when I was home for winter break mm. in my, I think I had a year and a half left of school at that point. So just randomly ran into each other, started dating over winter break, would see each other on the weekends, back and forth on the bus. And then I moved in together shortly after I came back to town on the east side. We've been there ever since. Nice. Yeah. So you graduate college. Mm -hmm. Before food service, what did life look like? I tried to get a teaching job, but all those baby boomers that were supposed to retire did not. But I did find a teaching job in a charter school on the north side. I had specialized in urban ed, so that's where I wanted to be. But I figured out pretty quickly a classroom setting just wasn't at least at that school, wasn't the right fit. Mm. So then I helped run milestones programs, the before and after school North Shore Mm -hmm. programs. And then after that, I was at the Children's Museum. Mm. So I did all the school programming and Girl Scout programming, the field trips. It was a blast. I'd get to stand in front of like 300 excited kids and get them all riled up to go through the museum. That was really fun. But every time I had a job, I got kind of stuck where I got bored. I wanted to do something more. I tried asking for more responsibilities or a different position and I just couldn't get anywhere. And so I left that job about three months before we got married and I had no prospects. Mm. I just left, (laughs) which seems crazy to me now. But shortly thereafter, a month or two after doing wedding planning and prep, a friend of mine was working at Lake Park Bistro and they needed a hostess. And she's like, you're organized and great with people. This could be a good fit. So I went over there and interviewed and then immediately started helping stuff menus. Mm. (laughs) And the manager was like, okay, when can you start? (laughs) So that was really my intro to 
fine dining. Mm -hmm. In college, I had worked at a restaurant on State Street called Hawks, where I was in the kitchen, in front of house, and kind of whatever they needed. So I had done some food service work then and summers at home for like Summerfest and state fairs, those sorts of things. So I swore I was not going to work in food service, but mm -hmm. fine dining was its own sort of mythical creature that I had never really experienced. So it was sure. a neat world to get into. And what a great organization. Yes. Yep. Right at a time when Bartolatas was really growing. They had 375 employees when I started. Hmm. And when I left seven years later, there were over 1,100. Incredible. So and Joe was a, was a special guy. Yes, yes. Very, very influential mm -hmm. in my life, for sure. Nice. Yeah. So what did you take away from that? Like, what did you learn from that that has made you a success in this business? Uh, so many things. I think in terms of that service that servant's heart, that coming from contribution, that really touching people on a personal level was something that I really learned from Joe. It was neat to see that come to life in front of me in different forms, like how everybody kind of approached it in their own way, management in different restaurants, and then how guests responded to it, especially building those like regular relationships, people that came back all the time. So that was really awesome. Also learning the like the fine dining service side of it was so magic mm. that, you know, anticipating needs before you even think of it, your water glass is full, you know, your silverware is changed out. If it's dirty, they fold your napkin when you go to the bathroom, like those little touches were so cool to me and something I hadn't experienced before Sure, and really blew people's minds. It was so fun. Just those little things. Mm -hmm. So it also was an interesting time to see how a business grew and the things that I liked about that growth and the things I didn't like about that growth. And it's really shaped how I view my team now mm -hmm. and where I see our business going. And what a great place to learn teamwork. Yes. Right? <laughs> yeah. I really, uh, my education degree was very applicable there. Mm -hmm. Lots lots of use of that. In, I was in management, so I went from hosting to Mater D and into management and worked at a couple of the other restaurants, mm. including Harbor House, which was a giant, very busy restaurant. Mm -hmm. I learned a lot about how far I can push my boundaries, mm -hmm. maybe to an unhealthy extent, but it was also a great place to see how such a large staff can come together under, you know, one mission and take great care of people and, and be really proud of it. Nice. So what motivated the change? <laughs> I, it kind of the same thing. I got to a point where I wasn't real satisfied with the position I was in, you know, the pay and everything related to that. And what I was offered was felt like a consolation prize. And I just decided up until that point, I was just going to stay with that company forever. And then when that happened, I decided I needed to maybe look at other options. And I went into another restaurant that we really loved. And the owner was there talking to people at their tables and kind of struck up a conversation about how he needed a GM. And so I left and I went over there. Hmm. I wasn't there even a year. It very soon after I got there, it became clear that the culture was not a good fit. Mm. It was pretty toxic. So it was a good learning experience and a good challenge. And also because they knew I wasn't a good fit, 
they actually forced me out. Mm. They thought I was doing great things, but it just wasn't a good sure. fit with what was going on over there. So for that reason, I didn't feel obligated to do anything right away. Mm. I was like, well, this I'm going to see this as an opportunity. I was shocked. I've never been fired from a job. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah, especially when they tell you you're great at your job, but they just don't want you there. (laughs) It was a very weird situation. But I took a day to think about it, knew what my options were getting back into restaurants, and then stopped in my husband's shop and said, okay, I've thought a lot about it, and I think I want to get into real estate. And he's like, what? We've never Mm -hmm. talked about this. We talk all the time. What are you, where did this come from? Mm -hmm. And I, it's always been around. My parents own some rental properties. My parents are also the kind of people that go to open houses for fun. Like that's always been (laughs) of interest, you know, the architecture of the city and the communities. And we have a family friend, Nancy Resto, who had been in the business for years at, at that point. Mm-hmm. And so I went and talked to her and said, hey, I've been thinking about doing this. And she goes, I've been thinking about this for you forever. I just thought you'd be such a great fit, but I really thought you loved restaurants, so I didn't bring it up. Mm. So we had a great meeting, and she's like, you have to come over to Coldwell Banker. We have such a great community over there. Joan's the manager. She's amazing. And so I did. I went over there in August of 2014, July 2014. Mm. Got my license, uh, studied for f- two weeks, mm-hmm. passed the test. They accidentally gave me the broker's test. <laughs> oh, funny. <laughs> Which I passed, but mm-hmm. then I had to take the other one. So there was a like month-long delay in actually getting my license. But yeah, Nancy was a great mentor. We didn't join forces as a team, but she let me shadow and... Mm-hmm just to observe how she worked with people and responded to the challenges of the business was invaluable. Yeah. What was the beginning like? Was it tough at first? So I was really clueless. When I started, I didn't look into what it meant to be a good agent in your first year or a bad agent in your first year, what was typical. I just put my head down and went. Mm -hmm. I was really fired up because I had had you know, multiple jobs where I'd been held back or told that I, you know, didn't deserve more. And so I really had a lot of fire in my belly that first Mm. year. Like my motivation was to say, everybody get out of my way. There's a lot more I can do. So I know there was some worry about, you know, finances and things like that, but I had never really made much money, so it didn't make a difference. Mm. (laughs) And I... Got into it right away. I mean, my license came through in August. My first closing was October. And then I had a couple more before the year was over. What was that first one? My first one was somebody that I went to middle and high school with who posted on Facebook that they were looking for a lender. Hmm. And so I jumped on and said, I've got some great lender names. Do you need an agent? And so I sold them their house. They still live there. Mm Mm-hmm. In Wauwatosa. And then after that, it was a referral from a lender. Mm-hmm. And then a couple I met at an open house who ended up becoming dear friends of ours. And mm. from them has come about 30 sales. Incredible. With lovely people. Yeah. So how does the business differ than what you thought it was going to be? I was really surprised by how few people treat it as a business. Mm. Like when I started... I just thought everybody got that my dad was in sales and was an entrepreneur. His father was an entrepreneur. His parents were entrepreneurs. 
And so I kind of got, I joked that I got a kitchen table MBA. Mm -hmm. You know, every time something was happening, the questions were like, what do you think their cost of goods is? What do you think their overhead is? What's their net look like? How much can they do with this or that? I just thought everybody looked at things that way. Mm -hmm. So as I was in the business my, even my first year, I realized pretty quickly how casual some people approach it. Mm-hmm. And I just thought that was wild. <laughs> I mean, there's there's a lot of money and serious decision making in this business. And I just thought it was crazy that people were so relaxed about it. Yeah. So. And, you know, we became friends shortly after we joined Cole Banker. Yeah. And from the get-go, you wanted to be an independent agent. Yes. So let's talk about why? Because you're kind of a natural born teacher and leader. So what was the mindset around that? And then what's the evolution to running a team? Yeah. So when I started, I had managed people for so long that I was kind of over it. I just needed a break. So when I came in, I said, I'm not I'm not in charge of anybody and I don't want anybody telling me what to do. I just want to do this by myself. And I knew I was I'm a workhorse. And so I figured based on, you know, the numbers of, I'm very much a goal setter. So I was like, how much money do I need to make? How many sales does that look like? Can I manage that? And I thought it was doable. So I decided to do it completely on my own without an assistant or anyone. And that worked pretty well the first year. And then the second year, Joan said to me, you really need to consider getting an assistant, which I really didn't want to do. But I talked to my husband about it. He's a great sounding board. And he said, well, you know who you need is Liz. And Liz was the best gal in our wedding. She's his best friend. She is very organized and very straightforward. And we had a good relationship. We weren't super close, but I thought that sounded good if I needed someone part-time. So she started out five hours a week the first year, just kind of helping me with little things here and there, marketing projects and stuff like that. And then the second year was 10, then 15. I definitely relied on her for like masterminding and brainstorming about what we could do better or how we could set up our systems. I really love systems because I'm not naturally an organized person, even though people think I am. It's very much a coping mechanism. I'm naturally chaos. So having those systems is important. So I had started that and kind of leaned on Liz for input. And then she didn't actually go full-time until I was at Keller Williams. So it was January of 2020. Mm -hmm. So up until that point, I was doing all my transaction coordinating myself and everything else and kind of hit a brick wall at about 45 sales a year, three years in a row. That's as much as I could do my own. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot. It was. Um, (laughs) So what, you know, kind of bring us up to date. I don't want to talk too much about your business, but I'd like to talk about some of the things you're doing outside of your business. But yeah, just kind of give me a one minute recap of so Liz starts full time, mm-hmm. you're doing 45. How do you jump from 45 to over 100? So that year, 2020, everybody knows was COVID. So we had a pause at the beginning of the year, but then it very quickly picked up. And we had 75 sales that year. So it's obvious that that was some help that I needed to make sure we were taking great care of people. And then in December, I had Elizabeth join us as a team agent. And so Elizabeth and I, with Liz, had 123 sales in 2021. 
We had a part-time assistant for a portion of that year, but then he ended up moving out of state. He was kind of my gopher. He just, he, he always joked it was other duties as assigned was his job position. Mm-hmm. And then we added another agent, say, in October of last year. Okay. So now there's three agents and Liz. And you have a really tight culture and mm-hmm. like a thread of identity that runs through all of you. Is that fair? Yeah, yeah. I would say so. Which we all have nice. a service industry background, so we kind of speak the same language. And it's a tight crew. We have you know, similar values, a little bit different perspectives, which I appreciate that diversity of thought. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, we're a tight crew. And you're not like a hardcore lead gen business. You're not a Zillow agent, right? You're no. not pounding the phones. You're not hitting every for sale by owner or expired. Like, no. <laughs> w- where does that volume come from? So I kind of assumed everybody worked by referral. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Early on, I started following Brian Buffini. So at the time, it was the CDs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I went to a couple of his conferences. And I really thought that that was just how you did business, especially Milwaukee. You know, it's such a small community, small walkie, and I love mm-hmm. it. And so that was how I ran my business. Anybody that had worked with me, I kept in touch. I brought them gifts. I checked in on them and they would send me their friends. And so that's really how my business grew. And so of our sales last year, 87% was repeat referral and sphere because we're, we all care about community. We want to connect with people. Mm-hmm. So that's just our style. You know, Other things work for other agents, but that's really... That's my jam. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I remember years ago, Katie and I sponsored this in-home. It was through the symphony orchestra. Yes. And people would come in and perform in people's homes, and there'd be like, I don't know, maybe 50 to 100 people there yeah. that were all worth getting to know. And Katie and I sponsored it. I think it was like $5,000 a night. And you worked the door. and. I felt like such an idiot. There you were as a volunteer, you know, meeting everybody as they come and go. And yeah. I'm writing a check for $5,000 and you're probably getting all the business. <laughs> it, uh, I really love being connected to the community in person. Mm-hmm. That's, that's my thing, being face-to-face with people and cheering people on. And so when a friend of mine got a job at the symphony and asked me if I would help, Mm-hmm. I said, absolutely. I want to be a part of that salon series. Very cool, too. I mean, there it was some awesome. incredible performers. And, you know, we learned that that's the way that people used to perform. It was much yes. more intimate than it is today. So hats off to you <laughs> to kind of figure out a way to game that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So we talk about how you're kind of an attraction-based business. That's the business we run. So mm-hmm. we're not a hardcore lead gen business. We try to attract people by who we are, what we do, you know, lead with the heart. And it's hard to teach that, right? Like nobody taught you how to do that or taught us how to do that. You just, you gravitate towards, and we have some peers that we've talked about, you know, common friends that do that as Mm -hmm. well. But you kind of end up having to be on all the time, right? Yeah, I suppose that's fair to say. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So let's talk about some of these outside things. I know you're a teacher at heart. Let's talk about some of the things outside the production of your business, kind of your apprenticeship, some of your teaching, some of the other things that you're doing that are so cool. Yeah. So one of the reasons I came over to Keller Williams was I knew 
that they had a reputation as an education company. And that piece I discovered, you know, after a couple of years in the business, I really needed to be teaching and coaching and helping other people to grow their business to figure out how to do this better. And so I knew coming over to KW that there'd be more opportunity for me to do that. And so now I'm a launch coach in our office, so I teach a class once a week. And for those outside of Keller Williams, what does Mm -hmm. that mean? So our form of that is it's new agents, their first five sales, they have the opportunity to come to these classes. I teach one, Janine teaches one from Jay Schmidt's team, and then we have like a a helpline as well. And the classes I teach are based on the One Thing book. And so they're more centered around time management, goal setting, what's your big why, all that like big behind the scenes stuff that I think a lot of agents don't even think about, but is so, so important if you're trying to build a strong business. And I love it. It's great. It's so fun to meet new agents and have those conversations about what they their perspective on things. It also keeps me sharp mm-hmm. because I, if I'm teaching these things, I better be following them too. True, true. <laughs> Talk about the apprenticeship program. So we started an apprenticeship program with our team this year, and I knew that I didn't want to grow our team very large. And so I wanted to figure out a way where we could still kind of mentor people in a, a more intense capacity than I am doing in that launched class And so we decided to bring on two apprentices at a time. It's a three-month program that they sign up for initially. There's the option to extend it, but it gives them an opportunity to have more access to us, to understand how we operate, ask us questions, shadow, learn Mm -hmm. from us. In exchange, they help us out hourly with showings and appraisals, things like that. The occasional weird errand, Mm -hmm. (laughs) admittedly. And then after three months, we can decide, is this working for us or do we wish you well? Is this, you know, your business has grown and so you don't have the time to do this with us anymore. So it kind of leaves that, I think it's a nice amount of time for everybody to get a feel for what the other needs and then decide if they want to move forward or not. It was also, my intention was to use that to potentially find another agent for the team. Mm-hmm. So, and that has kind of worked out. I think we see that going in a good direction, mm-hmm. but it's really rewarding. And the thing that surprised me was my team agents, Elizabeth and Say, really love the mentoring also, which I didn't anticipate. And so they enjoy that piece as well. And so it's just, it's like a win, win, win. Everybody Wonderful. benefits. Yeah. Yeah. Terrific. So, What's next? Like you always have, you're always working on something. What do you want to implement in your business next, in or out of your business next? So in the business, I want to bring on another assistant. We're very event and loving on our clients heavy. And it's become obvious that we really could use a person that is dedicated to those tasks and organizing those things. And so we're on the search right now for somebody to do that with the team. I'd like to add another agent before the end of the year as well. We do our planning for next year in November. So probably means we'd have to bring them on soon. Outside of the business, my husband and I are on the search for a commercial building. Hmm. So he owns a stained glass studio. He's renting. He's been there for 10 years. 
And we initially thought we wanted a mixed-use building, but we already own a residential rental property. It has five units, and I think that's enough. So commercial building entirely. We'll put his shop in there. A friend of ours is our go-to handyman, so he'd have a shop, and they would run classes for people to learn how to take better care of their homes, Hmm. which we'd offer to our clients and to other people in the community to try to help build interest in the trades. So kind of be another incubator for people to get into the trades, which we need. Sure. And then we'd also have offices there, including my team office and a communal workspace. And I would teach classes on goal setting, time management, things like that. People who would rent those office spaces would be small, newer businesses in town Mm -hmm. with the intention of helping them get their bearings and you know, not charge a lot for rent and mm-hmm. just be like a jumping off point for them because we both care a lot about small business in the city. So I say this with a smile, but the whole world sets goals, right? Everybody sets goals. You attain your goals. I think you should teach goal attainment and yeah. that goal setting. <laughs> yes, Deal? that's fair. Okay. So we're close. We're friends. I can ask you anything. Sure. I won't embarrass you. So what are you working on personally? Like, what what are you working on as it relates to Amanda? I have been trying real hard <laughs> over the last couple of years to figure out how to, like, recalibrate my balance of life and work. We don't have kids. We love our jobs. We both own our businesses. And so it's been hard. That line gets really blurry between life and work. But I think... Having a team has really allowed me to feel like my clients are well cared for if I am turning off. Mm -hmm. So it's definitely allowed me to shut off more than I have before. I still don't have two full days off, but I do take a day and a half. Mm -hmm. And I highly encourage my team to do the same. And we've built a structure where everybody gets that time off and can take vacations and be covered while they're gone. So that's made a huge difference. I'm also just trying to get back to those like routines that help me take care of me. You know, morning routine is a huge thing. It's yoga and meditation and journaling, taking the time to just like think and go blank, which I rarely do, but I've learned is important. So having thinking time every week is a big deal. Making sure that I'm allowing myself time to plan and kind of cut off my workday with a with a workday shutdown routine. So I'm always working on those sorts of things just to help me be more present, whether it's at work or outside of work, because I think, like, what's the point of working so hard if I can't enjoy it outside of work? Totally. And you just got back from a killer vacation, so that you've managed to do, right? Yes. Yeah. Went to France, and you shared all sorts of foodie photos with me. Yes. Because we're both foodies. Yeah, it was great. And to be able to be seven hours ahead... And know that our clients were well cared for and our co-brokes had communication. That was huge. And I 100% trust my team and they were there for me. It was great. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to switch gears and let's talk about food. Okay. Okay. (laughs) So what are your top three high-end, like nice restaurants you take an out-of-town guest or you want to go for a special occasion? What are your top three? Right now, Birch is right up there. Cool. I love what they're doing, and mm-hmm. their service is really consistent. The food's incredible. Just a great place. I love it. Plus, we can walk there. Mm-hmm. So it's at the top of the list. I also love Good Kind. 
Hmm. It just feels like a comfy neighborhood spot, but their food is on point and the cocktails are so great. Okay. And yeah, just it's a great place and we really appreciate a lot of the people that work there. Gosh, third one, Kalu Kenzo in Wauwatosa. That would crack my top three. Yep. To give a plug to my other two would be Lupi and Iris. I think they're just trying to do everything right and aim at a totally different place that most Milwaukee restaurateurs aim at. Yeah. And I love Bavat. I think Bavat oh, is Oh, Bavat's great. Yeah, I agree. So hit me with a Cheap Eats. Cheap Eats. Classic Slice. Mm-hmm. Good one. Lo- owners of are dear friends of ours, so I'm a little biased, but their pizza is amazing and everything's mm-hmm. from scratch. You got to love it. Also a big fan of, I guess you could call this Cheap Eats, Easy Tiger hmm. is ramen. Yeah, cool. We live down the street and we're there at least once a week. Mm-hmm. The Tofu Bao is the best. It's awesome. All right. I will put that on my yes. to-do list for the yes. next week. Third one I'd say would be Twisted Plants. Never been. It's totally vegan burgers. It's not healthy. It's mm-hmm. like burgers and fries and it's like sloppy and delicious mm. and it's awesome. They just opened a second spot on Brady Street. Yeah. So that's a go-to, like a grab and go for us. Twisted Plants. All yeah. right. Well, thanks for teeing up a couple of my evenings. You're welcome. So as we kind of wrap this up, you're great inspiration to so many people and you're you have a giver's heart and you're always willing to help people get to where you are. I mean, and so much of our conversations are around, they used to be around what you wanted to do and now it's around you helping other people do what they want to do, which is, I mean, it's been fun for me to watch the metamorphosis. So there are so many people that are getting into the business. This is a tough time to get into the business. It is. If I was sitting across from you, I am sitting across from you. (laughs) If I was a new agent, maybe I've sold a house, maybe I haven't sold a house yet. And I'm looking at you saying, Amanda, I just don't know. Like how do, what, what, what do you say to them? So this is, this is something I get to say on a regular basis in launch classes. But the first thing is be a hundred percent yourself. Be genuine and true to who you are. You are, people want to be able to know what to expect. And the more consistent you are, the more genuine you are, the easier it is for them to understand and trust you and to to talk about you to their friends and family. So if they know, oh my gosh, that's so Rick or that's so Amanda, like that is so much easier for them to explain to their friends. I always say, it's like a restaurant. I think a great restaurant needs to be something you can explain in five words or less. If you can't explain the concept in five words or less, if you can't describe a person in five words or less and really get their essence, then people don't understand who you really are. It's right, too so confusing. <laughs> describe Amanda in five words. Oh, man, I know I should have prepared this. <laughs> right. It's a tough question. I don't know that I could do it for yeah. myself. I would say enthusiastic. <laughs> Cheerleader. I always want to cheer other people on. Educator. You know, coaching and teaching is so important to me. This is not one word, but I guess learner or lifelong learner. Mm-hmm. Learning's huge for me. Was that four? That last wasn't one. Counting. Last one would be I'm always looking to the future. Like I I like to have a vision 
of like, where could we go? What could this look like? How could we change this? Not to say I don't embrace the where we're at right now, but I always like to have an idea of like, where are we headed or where could we be? Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, I'm fortunate. I think we get together four to six times a year. We were just in Austin for a conference and we got together there. We had lunch today. Yeah. So it's been really fun to be a part of your ride. I'm going to get choked up. I'm a very easy cry as an old man, (laughs) Um, but it's been fun and you're doing it all right. And it's nice to see, you know, like a good person win. Thanks. It's wild to me that this is my life. It's pretty cool. Yeah. I usually make people cry and I'm (laughs) the one tearing up. I, I get teared up pretty easily too, especially when I'm talking about things I'm passionate about and how how like mind-blowingly cool things have become mm-hmm. through this through this industry. I'm really very fortunate. Yeah. Well, we're both so lucky. Well, yeah. thanks for spending the time with us. This yeah. was great. My pleasure. And uh, I will see you soon. Lovely. So I'd like to give a shout out to Podcast Town Studios, our producer. No sleep for creating the music. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcast. And if you believe that you or someone you know would be an ideal guest and would talk about not what they've done, but really who they are, why don't you reach out to me? I'm the easiest guy in the world to get a hold of. Thank you.